Good morning. Glad to see all of you and to open up God's Word this morning and study it with you. Um, if you haven't guessed already, we are going to be talking about the children's ministry. That's our destination. But before we get there, uh, we're going to talk about unity. And we're going to look at two things that foster unity or that help develop or promote the growth of unity. And then we're going to look at why unity is so important. And you know, whenever I hear that word unity, my mind goes back to a camping trip that I took about 11 years ago with my brother and one of my best friends. Because it was on that camping trip that one of the greatest acts of unity was put on display. And it was an example that was set not by man, but by ants, believe it or not. Um, you know, those of you who have been camping, you know that if you go camping and you don't have an agenda or a specific thing to do, just kind of sitting around the campsite can get a little bit boring. So what do three teenage boys do in the middle of, of the wilderness with no parental supervision and when they're bored? You either light stuff on fire or you find bugs and you make them fight to the death. And uh, we, we didn't want to start a forest fire, so we found some bugs and made them fight to the death. So what we did, we had a bucket. And inside this bucket, we, we put a, level, a layer of dirt and we put rocks and stones and uh, sticks. And we made this little battle arena. And then we scoured the area. And Peterson's, I see you over there. Don't do this when you go home, okay? I can just, <laughs> just don't do it, okay? But, uh, we, you know, we found all of these, um, these, these dangerous bugs. We found a black widow and a centipede and a scorpion and, you know, about 20 or so fire ants. And then this little beetle that turned out to be kind of a sissy and didn't really do much. Um, but we, we gathered all these warriors and we put them in this battle arena and then we just kind of stood back and, and watched. And unfortunately, nothing happened for about the first 20 minutes. You know, the ants were trying to go every which direction. The centipede was trying to climb out of the bucket. The spider just hid underneath the stick. And then the scorpion and that beetle, they really didn't do anything. So we're like, okay, this is boring. What are we going to do? So we took some sticks and started, you know, like kind of poking them, trying to agitate them. And then we pick up the centipede and drop it on the scorpion, you know, trying to just aggravate them. And finally, uh, we were able to aggravate that scorpion enough to where it started attacking some of the other bugs. And it stung the centipede a few times. And then it started going after the ants. And this is what I'll never forget. As soon as that scorpion started attacking some of those ants, I don't know if like ants let off pheromones or, or, or if they scream or, or what, but as soon as, that, as soon as that scorpion started attacking some of those ants, every ant in that bucket swarmed to that scorpion and latched on, and they, they beat that thing up pretty good. Okay, they didn't kill it, but man, they, there was like 20 or 30 ants on this scorpion. And it was like as soon as they knew what their purpose was, they united and, and they moved to fulfill that purpose. And that leads us into this first point, and it, and it is that... Purpose fosters unity. You know, it's this idea that once we understand what our purpose is, that should unite us. And, and this, is, this is a principle that I, I, don't just, I didn't just get from observing ants. This is backed by Scripture, I promise. And, you know, it's something that we see just in everyday life. Uh, maybe you remember in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, when Paul is he's talking to the Corinthian church, and there's some division happening. And he says, look, so, some of you guys are saying, I follow Paul. And others are saying, I follow Paulus. And others are saying, I follow Cephas. And Paul is writing to them and he's saying, no, you guys need to be unified. You need to be on the same page. We're not here. Our purpose is not to follow leaders. Our purpose here is to follow Jesus. So, so bring it back together. And he's trying to pull them uh, back to unity and show them, hey, our purpose is to follow Jesus. Once we understand what our purpose is, that should unite us. But the question that arises is, what is my purpose? 
I mean, why are you here? Why am I here? What, what is our purpose? And, and I'm going to summarize our purpose as this. Our purpose is to glorify God by making him known in everything we do. Our, our purpose is to glorify God by making him known to the people around us in everything that we do. A condensed version of that, our purpose is to glorify God in all that we do. And I wish that we can kind of just camp out on this point, but we're going to move on for time's sake. And I'm going to let you guys kind of flesh that out in your community groups this week and talk about, you know, what is the purpose of our life? And your discussion questions have, um, you know, one of the questions addresses that, and it points to some scripture that helps support that. But I, I hope that we as believers could agree. You might phrase it a little bit different, but I hope that we could agree as believers. You know, what our purpose here on earth, it is to make much of Jesus. It is to make him known. We have hands and we have feet. We have breath in our lungs. We have vocal cords, not to build up our kingdom, not to make much of ourselves, but to make much of him. So I hope that, that we could at least agree on that, that, yeah, you know, our purpose in this life is to glorify God in all that we do. And, and part of glorifying God in all that we do means that we are to glorify him in the way that we serve him and the way that we serve other people. And that's where we're going to camp out here today is on this idea of, of serving and serving as a unified body. You know, it's one of the values that we have here at Cornerstone. We call it the serve corner. I guess it's on this side, the serve corner. Okay, last week, Frank talked about the transform part of it. This week, we're going to focus in on the serve part of it. And I'm really excited for this. But to be honest with you, in order for us to be able to serve with a pure heart, and in order for us to really be unified the way that, that God wants us to be unified, we have to talk about a very specific characteristic. And that characteristic is humility. So if you have your Bibles, flip open to Philippians chapter 2. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 5. If you don't have a Bible, you can follow along with us here on the screen. But we're going to learn about this, this important characteristic. Paul, he's, he's writing to the church of Philippi, and he says this. So if there is any encouragement in Christ... Any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves which is yours in Christ Jesus. And what I love about this passage is that it, it really gives us a glimpse into the life of Paul. And, and, it, and it reveals to us one of the, the things that really brings joy to Paul. And one of these things that brings joy to Paul is a unified church, a unified body of believers that serves God and that serves people. And I absolutely just, just love getting that small little glimpse. Look at some of the words that he uses to paint this picture of unity. He says, be of the same mind, have the same love, be in full accord, be of one mind. And, and ESV translates one of those words as full accord. Some of your translations will say one spirit, but it's actually best translated as one sold. One S-O-U-L-E-D, one soul. And it's this, this picture of multiple souls being knit together into one that moves in harmony with the same purpose and the same desires and the same uh, ambitions. You know, it's just this one soul moving together. That's what, that's what Paul is trying to get at. But he understands that for this type of unity to occur, selfishness has to be thrown out the window. So, you know, let's just point this out. We all struggle with being selfish. Nobody loves you more than you love yourself. 
All right, let's just kind of throw that out there. We all struggle with this. We all are selfish. So how do we combat that selfishness? With humility. And what does humility look like? What does humility mean? Humility looks like what what Paul says here in verse 3 and 4. Humility looks like counting the person next to you as more important than yourself. Humility looks like taking the same level of interest that you have for your own life and applying it to the life of the person next to you. One study Bible says that humility is the bending of your will to the will of the Father. And I love that because if you think of what is the will of the Father, well, part of his will is for us to love God and to love people. You know, that great commandment. So if we were to list out our priorities, it should be, it should be God, people, and then me. Or God, people, and then you. And that's what Paul is trying to get across. Hey, we need to be counting these people as more significant than ourselves if we were to be this one-souled body that really serves Jesus well, and that's my hope, that's my desire, is that that's where we would get to today, to, that we would all kind of come around this idea that, yeah, my purpose is to glorify God, and I want to do that in unison with my brothers and sisters. So that leads us into the second point, if you haven't picked it up already, and that is that humility fosters unity. So we've talked about these two things that really help promote or, or help develop unity, that is understanding what our purpose is, and then living life humbly, you know, counting those people next to us more significant than ourselves. These things are essential if we want to be one-souled servants. But, you know, the, the question that still comes up is, why is unity so important? I mean, why can't you just do your thing, and then I do my thing, and at the end of the day, we just call it good and kind of move on? I mean, why can't we just be individual? Why do we have to come together? And, and this is point three, and this is why unity is so important, is because unity glorifies God. Remember, our purpose is to glorify God. So all of these things kind of knit together. All right. So unity is important because unity really glorifies God. Check out what Jesus says about this. It's in John chapter 17. Uh, This is a, a pretty familiar passage for most of us. It's that high priestly prayer. Jesus says this, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. So Jesus, he's praying to the Father, and he says, Father, look, I'm not only praying for the disciples that are right here with me right now. I'm praying for those future disciples that are to come. That's, that's me, and that's you here today. He's praying for us, and this is his prayer for us, verse 21, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. And then he goes on to say, the glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them, and you in me, that they may become perfectly one. Why? Again, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. Are you starting to see why unity is so important? Jesus understands that you know, a body that comes together, a unified body, it makes God known. When, when we come together understanding what our purpose is, and when we come together with humility, the world notices. And to give you an example of this, to show you how this really um, you know, affects people, about two weeks ago, I went on a mountain bike ride with one of my best friends. He's not a believer. He's a guy that I've been praying for um, ever since I became a believer. So like nine, almost 10 years now. And we're, we're in my car, we're in my truck, driving to the trailhead. And we start talking about spiritual things. And, and then he starts asking me questions about the church. He's like, you know, how does, how does the church run? And then he says, you know, how do you guys afford that? Do you get grants from the government? You know, he's asking all these questions. And so I, I'm, I'm describing to him in, in detail just the things that, that happen um, here on Sunday morning to, to make this 
happen. So I'm describing to him, you know, people wake up at like four o'clock in the morning and, you know, they get ready and then they go to the roster campus. They pick up some trailers. They drive those trailers to the college. They unload those trailers. They set up dividers and everything upstairs for the kids and, and downstairs. Then they bring out all this band equipment and they come in and they rehearse. And I'm just describing to him everything that happens on a Sunday morning. And then I'm telling him, you know, we don't get grants from the government. It's just people give their time and their money because they believe in this purpose. They believe in this mission. They believe in making Jesus known to the world. And this was his response. He just kind of just sat there. And then he said, Josh, that's amazing. I mean, this is an unbeliever who he, he's never been here before, but, but he, just, he just heard what happens, how people come together to, to make all of this happen. And, and his response was, that's amazing. And then he kept going on saying, I just can't believe that, that that would take place. I can't believe that people would wake up that early to help set things up. And, you know, he just kept going on and on about that. But he saw the value in Jesus and even though he didn't place his faith in Jesus at that time, I mean, he saw how valuable Jesus was and how worthy he is to be followed. And I think that speaks volumes. And, you know, you can be praying for him. Um, I won't give his name because he might be watching. I don't know. But, you know, he's somebody that I could totally see God using uh, in a powerful way because he's one of those guys that when, when he gets his mindset on something and he is so determined. And I could, I'm just praying for this guy. So if you guys can join me in praying, how cool will it be, you know, next time I preach, if I can say he's accepted Christ, that'd be so awesome. But he saw the value of Jesus. He saw the importance of, of unity and understanding what purpose is and coming together and living that out. And my prayer this week has been for us as a congregation to not only be unified in regards to the serve corner, but also to be unified in regards to a specific ministry here at Cornerstone. And that ministry is the children's ministry. Because we're going to be relaunching this ministry next week under the new name, Cornerstone Kids. And, you know, we've, we've brought in some changes. We've made some changes because we believe that, that these changes are going to help us better glorify God that we believe that these changes are going to help us better minister to the families and to the kids here at Cornerstone. You know, when I first started overseeing a children's ministry, we only had like six kids or something like that. And then the Petersons came, and then it grew, and then other families started coming, and now we average like 70 kids a week. God is bringing these kids to us. He's entrusting them to us, and, and, and we believe that, you know, making these changes is going to help us really minister to those kids and to those families even better. So one of the changes that I want to kind of spotlight is um, the bringing in of a new ministry called M56. And that's short for Matthew 5-6. And this ministry um, is, is geared towards the fifth and sixth graders here at Cornerstone. Because what we've discovered is that on Sunday mornings, the fifth graders, uh, you know, they need something a little bit more than what they were getting. And then on Wednesday night at youth group, the sixth graders, it was hard for them to connect. So, you know, we just wanted to, to do something that was more on their level. So we thought, you know what, let's, let's combine those groups and let's give them a, a ministry that's specific for their age range because that, that's a unique age. Some of you parents are nodding your head like, yeah, I know, what's going on here? Okay, so we want to minister to that age group. And, and M56, that's short for Matthew 5, 6. Matthew 5, 6 says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. That is our hope and our desire for these kids, that they would hunger and thirst for the righteousness of Jesus and that they would know that it is in him alone that they will be satisfied. 
So I'm really excited about that. Another cool thing is that this ministry is pretty much run all by a volunteer. Her name is Erin. She's in here. I won't point at her and embarrass her. But, you know, she came up with the graphics. She, she kind of came up with the curriculum, and she's putting all this together, and she's so excited about it because she just caught the vision. She saw how important these kids are. She said, I, I just want to minister to that group, and, and she's doing an awesome job. So next week we're going to be launching that. And for parents who have kids in that age group, just know that that does slightly affect youth group on Wednesdays because the, the ministries that we offer here now for kids on Sunday morning is Cornerstone Kids, and that's nursery through fourth grade. And then we have M56, which is for the fifth and sixth graders. That's all on Sunday morning. And then on Wednesday, uh, our midweek group, uh, that's, that's youth group. That's going to be for seventh through twelfth graders. And again, we believe that all of these changes are going to help us better glorify God because I truly believe that God is calling us to supplement the discipleship that should be happening at the home with a ministry on Sunday morning that helps these kids and equips these kids to know, to grow, and to show God's love. And, and that's our mission statement. You've probably noticed it right here. Equipping kids to know, grow, and show God's love. And I want to dissect that a little bit because that's so much more than just a catchy phrase. Okay, this idea of equipping kids, it goes beyond just storytelling and giving facts. We really want to train these kids to know how to open up God's word for themselves, to study it, and to apply it in their lives. We want them to move from being spoon-fed to really feasting on the truths of God. That is our hope. That is our desire. This idea to know God. This comes from Philippians chapter 3 when Paul, he kind of lays out his spiritual portfolio. You know, he says he's a Hebrew of Hebrews, circumcised on the eighth day. He lays all that out and he says that compared to Jesus is trash. He says, I count all that as rubbish compared to the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus. And we desire for these kids at Cornerstone to know Jesus, not just intellectually, but to know him personally and intimately like Paul did so that when they look at the things of this world and they compare that to Jesus, they say, oh, that stuff is garbage. That's trash compared to the surpassing worth of being in a relationship with Jesus. I'm, I'm choosing him. That's our hope. That's our desire for these kids. And this idea to grow, this comes from 2 Peter 3.18. When Peter's writing to the, to the believers and he says, look, I want you to grow in the knowledge and grace of Jesus. We don't want their faith to be stagnant. Okay, we want them to continue in that sanctification process of becoming more and more like Jesus. We want them to grow in their relationship with Jesus. And then that last part, to show God's love, that's kind of the evangelistic part of this message. And that comes from John 13, uh, verses 34 and 35, when Jesus says, A new commandment I give you, that you love one another, that other people may know that you are my disciples. Um, we don't want these kids to come here on Sunday morning and to feast on biblical facts and then become spiritually obese. There are enough spiritually obese Christians that just feast on facts and do nothing with it. We want them to apply it and to live it out in their lives. We want them to exercise their faith in their community at school and when they're hanging out with their friends after school and when they're at Walmart. So we want them to show the love of God to both sinner and saint. Okay, so that's what we desire for these kids. We want to equip them to know, grow, and show God's love. So let's have some fun with this. Now that we all have an understanding of what this is about Let's all say it together, because remember, our goal here is to be unified. Even if you don't have kids in the children's ministry, even if you don't serve in the children's ministry, we can all still be unified in regards to this ministry. So on the count of three, let's say this together. Just to give you a heads up, we had to do it twice at the first service, because the first one was pretty weak. So let's, let's do better than that the first time. Ready? One, two, three. Equipping kids to know, grow, and show God's love. 
beautiful. That, that's our mission here. And we believe doing that will glorify God. So I'm excited for next week um, for this relaunch that, that we're going to be having. But some of you, I fear, still may be thinking like, man, what's the importance of children's ministry? I mean, isn't it just like a glorified daycare at the end of the day? I, I mean, isn't it just your mission or your goal to make sure kids don't die or get lost in that hour or hour and a half? So to best illustrate why children's ministry is so important, I want to read to you some facts that George Barn and his research team found in regards to children and faith. So listen to this. More than half of the people who accept Christ do so by the age of 12. Think about that for a second. If you were to take 100 people who call themselves believers and place them in a room and then ask the question, how many of you accepted Christ by the age of 12? More than 50 hands would go up. That right there alone should, should show us the importance of this ministry. But they found even more. They said that by the time a child is nine, their basic moral foundation has already been formed. So what they believe to be right and wrong, good and evil, that foundation has already been formed by the age of nine. And then they found that by the age of 13, a person has already formed the majority of their beliefs about the nature of God, so who God is, the existence of Satan, the reliability of Scripture, so if God's word can even be trusted or not, if and what the afterlife is, so is there even a heaven or a hell, the holiness of Jesus, is Jesus really God, if someone can be saved from their sin, and the importance of the Holy Spirit in their lives. And that's all kind of formed in these kids by the age of 13. You know, Ecclesiastes 3 says that for everything there is a season, and it appears as though there's a season in a person's life when they are more open to the gospel, when they are more open to understanding what it means to follow Jesus and to trust in him. And some people call that window or that season of life the 414 window. Various groups adjust that. But nonetheless, there appears to be the season of life for each of us where we are more open to the gospel. And some people say, well, that season of life exists in a child because they're gullible. But I don't believe that for a second. See, I think that season of life exists in a child because, as Pastor Frank was teaching last week, they haven't been conformed to the image of this world. They haven't been pressed and molded into the image of the world as much as us adults have who have been around a little bit longer. The calluses that have begun to form over their heart, they haven't quite hardened yet. And I'm not saying that God can't save somebody after they hit the age of 12, okay? But there seems to be the season of life in a person's being, in their existence, where they're more open to the gospel. And we in the children's ministry have this beautiful opportunity to enter into that season and to show these kids that Jesus is real and that he is worthy to be followed. And that should excite us. Even if you don't have kids in the children's ministry, even if you don't serve in the children's ministry, that should excite us. Because again, there's like 70 kids coming through here every Sunday. You can be praying for those tender little hearts. God, would you just work in their hearts? Would you show them the value of Jesus? Would you show them how awesome it is to surrender their lives to him and to live for him? You guys can be doing that regardless of if you have kids in the ministry or if you serve in the ministry. All that's really left to do for us now is to do something. And this is our application. You guys probably noticed in your bulletin, there's a sign up to serve card or I'm not sure what they titled it in there, but there's a, there's a response card for each person in there. And I hope and I pray that, that even between now and the end of the service, you would look that over and, and you would begin praying and just saying, God, where is it that you would have me serve? 
where can I use my talents and my gifts and my abilities to best glorify you and to best make you known? So just kind of think about that. You know, I'll explain at the end what we're going to do with those exactly. But um, I want you to know something. I want to encourage you here today. Each of you sitting in these seats has value. Each of you is important. Each of you is special. And each of you has something to offer that nobody else can offer. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to turn to the person next to you and say, you can do something that I can't do. Okay, that was fun, right? Okay, now turn to the person behind you or in front of you, somebody different, point to them, look at them and say, ha ha, I can do something you can't do. See, you guys fell for it too. We were just talking about humility, and now you guys are boasting about what you can do. First service was horrible. It was like everybody turned around and started like laughing at everybody. But, you know, as silly as that may be, it's true. You know, God is far too creative to create two people exactly the same. We're all wired different. Some of us may have the same gifts, but we all carry those gifts and use those gifts a little bit different. I really want you to know how special each of you really is. And and I say this next statement not to guilt anybody. I really hope it doesn't come off as that. I I say this to encourage you and to just really um, just let you know how special you are. But if you call Cornerstone home or whatever church you call home, maybe you're just visiting here today, you know, if you're not serving here at Cornerstone or, or at that church that you call home, you are withholding from the congregation, from your brothers and sisters, something special that only you can offer. Uh, think, think about that. And again, I don't say that to guilt anybody, but, it, but if you're not serving, you are withholding something so valuable and something so special from the people around you because you have something to offer that nobody else can offer. Okay? John Bundy, only you can teach the five and six-year-olds like, like you. Nobody else can do that. Benny, only you can sing like you, right? Nobody else can do that. I mean, if you think about it, Peterson's, only you can teach the way that you teach, okay? Butch, I'm going to get it right this time. Only you can run sound the way that you run sound. Okay, when you th- start thinking about that, it's like, you know, I, I, God has wired me, he has gifted me to, to do something. It's not really a, a question of where am I going to serve, it's more of a question of when am I going to serve? Each of you is special. Each of you has something to offer. And some of you might be thinking like, okay, I, I get that. I, I think I'm ready to sign up and to start serving. But I don't know what my spiritual gift is. I don't even know what I'm good at. And if that's you, that's okay. Just think about what interests you. Do you like music? If you like music, maybe serving on the worship team is for you. Maybe running the soundboard. Do you, do you like lights? Do you walk in here every week and be like, man, the lights just look off. Well, if that's you, then that's a good indication that, hey, you should be serving in the lights or you shouldn't be complaining. All right. So <laughs> shouldn't have said that one. Sorry. Um, but, you know, each, you know, we all have that, that, that ministry that we can serve in. Are there any morning people here? Like, like you like to wake up early in the morning? One, two. Okay. Now, now I'm not saying like you like to wake up at like 730, but do you like to wake up at the crack of dawn and you're excited and you don't even need coffee? Anybody in here? Okay, a couple. All right. Th- think about this. You could be a volunteer to the volunteers by waking up early, 
running to the store and picking up pastries and donuts and, you know, fruit, the things that, that we normally pick up for the volunteers. Because if you think about it, the guys up here on stage, you know, they're here from like six in the morning to noon or sometimes even one o'clock. And so we, we want to make sure that they have enough sugar so that they don't pass out here on stage. So we pick up these pastries and these donuts. You could be known as the pastry person. That could be your ministry. You'd be like, you know what? Yeah, I wake up on Sunday mornings and I pick up those, those things from Safeway or wherever it is. And, and I go in and I just give a word of encouragement to those brothers and sisters. And I just say, you know what? You guys, you're doing an awesome job. Here's some sugar, you know, eat it, feast, and, and go do your thing. Like that could be your ministry. That's exciting. There's plenty of ministry opportunities for you here at Cornerstone. I just pray, my prayer for, for, for each one of us is that we would just catch the vision. Okay, for some of us, I pray that you would catch the vision of the children's ministry and that you'd say, you know what? That's what I want my life to be about. I see the importance of children's ministry and I want to invest my life in those kids. And my prayer is that you would sign up to serve in the children's ministry. But for some of you, I know that, that that's not the area for you. So my prayer for you is that you would just catch the vision of our purpose. And that is to glorify God. And that you would just sign up to serve just in an area that interests you. You're not locked in to that specific ministry. You can kind of move around. Okay, but we want to help you really start serving. Because here's the thing. I'm only 28 years old. I know I have a lot of maturing to do. I know I have a lot of growing to do. But this I know And nobody will convince me otherwise that serving Jesus has brought me more joy than anything else in my entire life. See, we want you to serve not because we're in desperate need of volunteers. We want you to serve because we want you to experience more of Jesus. You know, he's given us these hands and these feet and and all these things about us, not to build up our own kingdom, not just to live comfortable lives, but to make him known to the people around us. And when you do that, that brings so much joy and fulfillment. That's why we're so passionate about this idea of serving. That's why we value it here at Cornerstone. It's so much more than just getting volunteers, okay? We don't want anybody to serve out of guilt or obligation. We want you to just know, man, that is why I serve, because it's so awesome to see, like we saw in the video, little, little kids say Jesus for the first time, and say Bible, and to learn how to pray, Okay, we love seeing those smiles of those faces, uh, you know, of the adults coming in. I think of a family who just, you know, they lost their, their mom and their grandma this past week. And uh, one of the things that have brought them encouragement was, was the family of, of this family right here, coming around them and just encouraging them and serving them by bringing them meals and just being at the hospital with them. That should excite us. So my prayer is that we would just catch that vision. And again, there's that response card that each of you should have. And my prayer and my hope is that you would, even while Jamie and the team come out here during this next song, just say, God, where is it that I, could, that, that, that I could serve? Where can I use these gifts and these abilities that you've given me to best glorify you? And if you guys need more time to think about that and to pray about that, you know, take these home with you. Bring them to your home groups this week. Talk about it in your home groups. You, you can even fill it out online, I believe, and, and bring it in that way. But I encourage you, if you're not serving somewhere, to really start praying about, God, where is it that you would have me serve? So with that, would you guys close with me in prayer? Father, uh, what a joy it is uh, to serve you. And Lord, we know that that you don't need us. You, You don't depend on us, but that you delight in using broken people like us to help advance your kingdom. And that's, that's such a privilege and that's such a joy. And I pray, God, that each one of us would just catch that vision of how awesome it is to serve you. 
Lord, that we would understand that our purpose here on this planet is not to make much of us, but to make much of you and to bring glory to your name. And Lord, I pray that that for those of us who are struggling with this idea of selfishness and just not having time in our schedules to serve, whatever that is, Lord, I pray that you'd help us walk in that humility so that we would be a one-souled church that that, that moves in harmony, uh, Lord, that, that serves you and that serves the people around us because we want the world to know, Jesus, that you are real. We want these kids to know that, that surrendering their lives to you, there's nothing greater that they can do. So, so God, as we go from here today, I pray that, Holy Spirit, you would work in each one of our hearts, that you would convict us, that you would encourage us, that you would just use us, Lord, in, in our brokenness, to advance your kingdom because again, God, we want to make you known here in Prescott. Jesus, we just love you so much and we pray this in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the audio from Cornerstone Church in Prescott, Arizona. For more information, visit us online at www.prescottcornerstone.com.